Welcome to the Prairie Heights Podcast. Thanks for listening today. I hope it motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family here at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Welcome everyone to Prairie Heights. My name is Beth, if I haven't had the chance to meet you. And if it doesn't take long to be around me to recognize that I love new things. I love exciting adventures and anything that would mean uh, I don't know what's to come. The anticipation just every time gets me. And so a friend of mine and I, uh, shortly after I graduated college, uh, invited me to go to the Badlands in South Dakota. I had never been before, and so I said, yes, road trip. <laughs> and uh, we got in the car, and we began our road trip to the Badlands in South Dakota. And one of the things when we got there, again, love adventure, love spontaneity, so we didn't make a plan. It wasn't like every minute was planned out. If you vacation that way, I don't know if you can vacation with me. Um, <laughs> and so we got there, and I was like, what should we do? And we found out that they have these cave um, tours. And so I was like, sweet, I've never been in a cave. And so this would be so much fun. And we went and uh, got gathered with everybody else. You know, you get registered and you get there. There was probably around 20, maybe 30 people that were part of our group, and we had a tour guide. And so we were all sitting outside uh, the area where you get started on this tour, and we're just sitting there casually, and I'm just so excited on the inside. I can't wait for this new adventure. I have no idea what it's going to be like. I've never experienced it before. And so the, our tour guide comes, and he says, okay, come on, everybody. Uh, come with me, and we start following him. And as we get closer and closer to the opening of the cave in that area, I remember we were guided by a path, and we followed that path all together, and we're just walking and chatting. And as we got closer to the opening of the cave, the tour guide said to us, okay, I need you all to get into single file line. And I'm like, yes, it's about to get good. We're almost there. We get into the single file line, and I'm in the middle of this line. I have about 10 people in front of me, probably 10 or 15 people behind me. And we see the opening of the cave, and we start making our way in. And the opening is pretty wide. And as we get going, though, it starts to narrow. And as we start to go in, the light starts to dim a little bit, starts to get darker. And then I see this stairway. That's this metal stairway. Now, the stairway, though, can only fit one person at a time, hence why the tour guide said get in a single file line. And so we begin our descent down on these stairs. Single file line, there's barely enough room uh, for one person to fit. I'm hanging onto the rails, and step by step, as we're going down, it gets darker and darker and darker. And the light from the opening of the cave becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And as it gets darker and darker and darker, the excited, thrilled, like, can't wait for this new adventure, Beth, begins to turn into, oh, this feels really closed in. I'm not sure how I feel about this. It's getting really dark. And as we get about midway through, it is pitch black. 
I can hardly see the, the person right in front of me. I, can, I know I can feel the handrails and I begin to breathe really, really heavy. My heart starts to pound. My, my mind begins to race thinking, I can't get out of here. I don't know how to get out of here. I gotta get out of here. I, gotta, I, can't, I can't keep going. I gotta get out of here. It's too dark. I gotta get out of here. And I look behind me and I'm thinking, I, can I just race up the stairs? And I remember feeling this fear just this deep sense of fear standing there in the darkness, holding tightly to the rails. And as my mind begins to race, I don't know how I did it, but I took two more steps forward. And in those two steps forward, I could finally see just a glimpse of light at the bottom of the stairwell. And that little bit of light allowed me to take a deep breath and take a couple more steps forward. And I was able to make it down to the cave and then enjoy the experience. But have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a spot, and maybe for you, you were literally in darkness. I was in complete darkness and I began to feel such fear and anxiety of feeling closed in by the darkness. And for me, it took just a glimpse of light in that moment to have a deep breath. Have you felt a literal moment of darkness? Have you, maybe for you, it's not a, a literal example of how I was going down into a cave and, and it's dark in there, but maybe for you, it's an emotional darkness. Maybe for you, it's an experiential darkness in some other scenario. Maybe for you, it's a spiritual darkness. And it's the kind of darkness that just feels heavy. And even the air around you just feels thick. And as you sit in that darkness, sometimes what happens is if we sit in it long enough, that darkness can actually become comfort. And maybe that darkness for you looks like being afraid of the future. Maybe you fear what's to come. Maybe darkness for some people today, maybe you're expecting your first child and you are terrified of messing it up. Side note, you will absolutely mess up parenting. There's some hope in that. We'll talk about that another day. Your kids will go to counseling for something. Mine will too. Mine will too. I'm in counseling. Counseling's a good thing. Okay, back to the, back to the darkness. <laughs> back to the darkness. Uh, true, right? Maybe some of us can point back to some darkness that actually like we created in our life because of our unhealthy choices, because of some sinful decisions. And maybe today we find ourselves wrapped up in that darkness because of a sinful choice that we made in the past. It's led to some behavior that's continued and it's just cyclical. Uh, maybe for some of you, your lies are catching up to you. Like the lies that you've told yourself or the lies that you've told other people, they're catching up to you. Maybe the addiction that's got a hold of you, like you're ready to hit rock bottom. And that addiction is suffocating. That addiction feels like the darkness of the cave. It's got a hold of you. Maybe this year as you prepare for Christmas, you can't help but think and have the darkness of heavy, heavy grief of this Christmas is gonna be the Christmas that you're gonna spend, maybe it's the first one, maybe it's the fifth one, maybe it's the 20th 
Christmas that you're gonna spend without your grandpa or your grandma, your mom or your dad, your sister, your brother, that a strange friend or family member that you used to enjoy and would make you laugh and they're not gonna be at the table this year. And the loss and the grief feel so thick. And here's what I want you to know today. I want you to know that that darkness is not new. And that darkness that you feel, you're not alone. You're not alone in that darkness. We're starting a brand new series today. It's our Christmas series. It's called Light in the Dark. And during this series, here's what we're gonna find. We're gonna find out that for centuries, not just a couple years, but for centuries, people have been paralyzed in fear. People have been wrapped up in their sin and people have been told, by, told no by God when they just craved hearing yes. And those stories that we're gonna dig into throughout this series, they replicate our own stories today. They replicate the fear that stops us from moving forward. It replicates the sin and, and the um, need that you and I have sometimes to go when we feel the darkness that it feels like in a cave. When we feel that on the inside, we're so tempted to fill that with something. So we might turn to alcohol just to numb the pain. We might decide that, you know what, that one night stand is gonna help me feel worthy and loved. And so we have no problem doing that because we gotta fill the darkness somehow. We trick ourselves into believing that isolation is the answer. And if anybody knew, fill in the blank, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't wanna be friends with me. They wouldn't wanna be connected to me. So we just isolate and isolate and isolate. And the darkness becomes thicker. It becomes heavier. Here's what I want us to know is that this Christmas this year, I want us to hear a message of hope. I want us to hear a message of faith, a message of grace, that if you and I receive these messages, that's our role, my role as I prepare, and your role as you hear to receive the messages, that I believe that this Christmas could be the Christmas that you feel the most peace, the most joy, and that's regardless of your current circumstance. That maybe this year is the year to move forward in faith, Maybe this year is the year to turn from that sin that's held you back for years. Or maybe this year is the year that you are gonna sit in the waiting. And when God's told you no, you're just gonna patiently wait for a yes. This could be the year for that because here's what I want for us is I want us to find light in the only place in the only place that light lasts, that's with Jesus. The only place that light will last, where it's not fleeting, where it doesn't just come and go, it is consistent, it is present, it is engaged. The only place that light lasts is with Jesus. And if I was to ask you the question, why do we celebrate Christmas? I believe many of you would answer simply, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. And you are right. That is true and that is a fact. But what about before Jesus? What's the story before we celebrate 
the birth of Jesus. What happened before? See, before the very first Christmas, before the birth of Jesus, there were years, years of darkness, years of disobedience to God over and over and over again by many different people. There was years of falling in and out of favor with God. There were years of prophets that were sent and promises that were made, yet they had not seen yet the promise fulfilled of a king, of a savior, of the fulfillment of the promise. And so through this darkness, there was a need to hang on to just a little bit of glimpse of hope. And so what we're gonna do through this series is we're gonna go back in history to realize that dark moments aren't the end. In fact, they might just be the beginning. And that isn't true for all the people we're gonna discover their story about in history, but that could be true for you today. That the dark moments may not be the end, in fact, they might be just the beginning. And speaking of the beginning, we're gonna go all the way back to Genesis. In the very beginning, we have Adam and Eve and we have God and they're in the garden. They're in the Garden of Eden and there is no sin. There is no sin. They're living in perfect harmony with God. And then God tells them there's one tree out of this whole land that you cannot eat from. And of course, Adam and Eve go and they eat of the tree and, and in that shame enters the world and they go into hiding. And God calls out to them and, and through that beginning of our story, <laughs> of the human race, Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden, out of the place where there was perfect harmony with no sin, and sin began to ravage the human race from that very moment. But here's the deal, God always had a plan. God always had a plan. God had a rescue plan in mind. And that rescue plan included a man, and his, his name is Abraham. See, God chose Abraham for a great purpose, and, and the very thing that God asked, the very first thing that God asked of Abraham is he said, I want you to leave your entire family. And in this uh, cultural context, that would have been so abnormal. It was very normal for them to stay centrally located because their family was like their, uh, like their uh, breath line, breathing line. I don't know. You guys, I don't know if that's the right way to say that. You know what I mean, right? Like they can survive with their family because they need their family's support. There it is. So that's what was super normal for Abraham and for that culture. And God said to him, Abraham, I'm asking you to leave. Leave your family. Leave your, the land, the only land that you've ever known. And then God gave Abraham three promises. And the promises that God gave to Abraham, he said, I promise you a new land God promised Abraham a new land, the land of Canaan. And then he promised Abraham, he said, I promise you descendants. Abraham would have a son and many descendants. And then he said to Abraham, and, and then finally I promise you that you are gonna be a blessing and you are gonna be a redemption. That the descendants would be a blessing to the rest of the world. That through Abraham and through his, his family, right, like through his son and his kids and their kids and their kids, that they would be a blessing to the rest of the world. But get this, you wanna know what Abraham's current circumstance was when God gave him those promises? Those promises didn't quite make sense at the time for Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old. 
He was married to Sarah, and he didn't have any children. They couldn't have children so far in their journey. Uh, There was a gap between Abraham's current circumstance and God's promise. There was a gap. Have you ever felt that? Where you're going along in life, and you're following Jesus, and you believe that he has given you some things and a plan, and and he's given you kind of a vision, or maybe there's just been a moment where he's, he's... Uh, let you know what's next for you, but you don't see it, you can't feel it, it doesn't make sense, and there's a gap where you're like, I know I heard from God. I have confidence in what God is sharing with me, but that is not my current circumstance. That's how Abraham must have felt in this circumstance. And even though there was a gap in Abraham's understanding, he still obeyed God. He still obeyed God. And the very first thing that God asked him said, Leave your family, and he left his family. So as I get into this story, one thing I want to share is that you're going to see see the names Abram and Sarai, and both Abram and Sarai are Abraham and Sarah. They're the same people. What God did on a regular basis is as people uh, were faithful to him and followed him, that as a way to bless them, he would change their name and say, like, I've given you a new name. And so he did that to Abraham and Sarah. And so I'm going to use Abraham and Sarah to keep it consistent as I share Abraham's story or parts of his story. And inside this story, what I want us to recognize is that there are glimpses of darkness that if we look really closely, they might resemble dark moments in our life. But even in the midst of this darkness, there was always, there was always a glimpse of light. All right, let's dig in. Genesis 12, 11 through 13. It says this, as he was about to enter Egypt, that's Abraham. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is my wife, and then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. See, we find Abraham makes a choice along the path that God has laid out for Abraham in his life and Abraham makes a choice to lie. This is a moment of sin. And I wanna take a moment just to define sin for our context and for today and and to help us even understand because sometimes what's sin to me isn't sin to you. And so sin is anything outside of God's will. Simple as that. Sin is anything outside of God's will for our life. It's anything outside of the teachings and the commands that he gives us throughout scripture. It's anything outside of the Holy Spirit movement in our own individual lives. And if we go against that, that would be sin. And so we see in this moment, it's like Abraham, uh, God had protected Abraham on the journey thus far. And all of a sudden, there must have been like this deep fear. Like I think about me, I was so excited for that cave. I was jacked up. I couldn't wait. And all of a sudden, this fear just overcame me. I wonder if for Abraham, all of a sudden, this fear just overcame him and he thought, well, I'll just take back control for just a minute, God. I'll just take back control for just a minute and we'll just say that Sarah is my sister and then I won't get killed. We'll be good. Have you ever done that? God, I'll just take back control for just a minute, for just a minute. 
See, wherever God is taking you, he would never put you and I in a position where we would need to lie or deceive other people in order to follow his plan or his will. He would have protected Abraham. Abraham didn't need to lie. See, when, but what happens sometimes is when we get wrapped up in sin, it's because we've taken control back in our life. And we've said, I'll, I'll be the driver. I'll, I'll steer this ship. And we hear Abraham, we hear him fear for his life. And that feeling of just deep, deep fear must have been so real that he just felt the need to do that. And I know that there have been times in my life that I have felt the need to do that because the fear feels so thick. It feels so dark. It feels like I just gotta get out of here. And so I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you feel like um, there's this deep fear or shame of some kind of sexual sin that might be just closed off in the dark for you. And either it has been for years or it's a new thing for you, but you just fear bringing that into the light. Fear of rejection, fear of judgment, fear of, of people thinking differently of you, fear of relationship, fear of a marriage covenant. There might be fear that would keep you in that darkness, that would keep you in that secret. Maybe just on a really simple note, there's fear has caused you to just lie a little bit to a friend, just a little bit, or lie about somebody else, just a little bit, so it, it made you look better. I don't know, what lies have you been telling yourself lately? What darkness has surrounded those lies that are either patterns or, or are things that are brand new for you right now? Well, there was consequence to Abraham's decision. And we read about it in Genesis 12, 17 through 19. It says, but the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife, Abraham's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham and he said to Abraham, what have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife, take her and go. Take her and go. And so as Abraham's along on the journey, he, he stops and he, and, he, and he shares this lie and they're living there for a while and then, and then it says the Lord uh, inflicted serious disease because the choice that Abraham made was outside of God's will. And here's the truth about lies and about sin is that lies might keep us protected for a short time, but there's always consequences to sin. Lies might keep us protected for a short time, but there's always consequences to sin. When you lie to your friend about uh, maybe there's a difficult conversation that needs to be had and, and when there's vulnerability in that relationship and, and you lie about the way that the other person um, has made you feel when the opportunity is there and you just lie about that a little like, oh no, it's okay, it's fine. Like you might be avoiding, you might be avoiding and protecting yourself from a difficult conversation, but you're actually eroding the friendship. You're eroding the relationship. When you lie to your child about hockey not being a sport because you wanna protect your time and you wanna protect your checkbook, 
That's actually a totally legit lie. <laughs> totally fine. I'll search for it in the Bible later on why that exact one is right, because we do it, we just choose that in our household. Hockey's not a sport. Kidding, I'm kidding, and I know we got some hockey fans in here. Way to go, way to go. But there is something too, like as parents, when we make an intentional choice to lie to our kids about little things or even big things, what happens is our kids don't know, it erodes our trust with our kids and it erodes our relationship. And I know I found that's hard at a certain age when sometimes they ask really big questions and you're so tempted because you want to get out of the conversation to just lie to them and move on. <laughs> and you wouldn't even consider it a lie, but the things you tell them are not true and they'll find that out later. And then they question the relationship, the parental relationship. If I can't trust them when they say this, how do I trust them somewhere else? And so... Same was true for Abraham. There were consequences to his sin. He had to leave the land that he had begun to make a life in. And here's what I want you to know, though, about Abraham's story as we keep going, is that even though Abraham left the land, God did not leave him. Even though Abraham sinned, God stayed with him. Here's one glimpse of that. We can read it in Genesis 15, 1. It says, uh, God said to Abraham, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your very great reward, he reminded him, I will protect you. God never left Abraham from the journey. The same is true today, whatever darkness you might be in, whatever sin you might be wrapped up in, whatever lies you've told, God is with you. God wants to protect you. God wants to guide you. He never left Abraham. Still, Abraham did not understand. He didn't understand the promises that God had given him. He didn't understand how it was all gonna work. He didn't understand his role in the journey. And so as we continue on, the journey continues, and Abraham, he comes to another land. And he comes to another king, and he says to the king, so this had already happened once. He said, Sarah's my sister because I don't wanna die and I don't want you to take her. If you knew she was my wife, you would take her and you would kill me. Same exact scenario. And guess what? Abraham says the exact same lie. He says, Sarah, tell him you're my sister. Same exact thing. Abraham does that and, and the Lord uh, comes to this king a little differently and, and and tells this king, hey, Sarah is Abraham's wife. And so the king comes face to face with Abraham and he asks Abraham a simple question. He says, why do you lie to me? Why'd you lie to me? Why'd you tell me that it was your sister when it's your wife? In Genesis 20, 11, it says, Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Look it. He said, I told myself, what are the lies that you have been telling yourself? It's like Abraham is in the darkness of the cave. The air around him is so thick and he is so afraid that the lies are the ones driving the bus. 
The lies are the, are the things that he is acting on. And so in this, we see the same fear. It led to the same lie, the same sin, not just once, but twice. And so for you, like, think about that in your life. Where are the places and where are the moments? What's the sin that has you wrapped up and tied up? What are the patterns that have become patterns over time and lies that you've told yourself and you've told other people? Where have you willfully been disobedient to God? Like when you know like God has this plan and you're like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my own thing, God. Or even in this circumstance, it, it didn't feel so nonchalant. It just felt like I'm so scared. It feels so heavy. I don't know how to move forward in faith. I don't know how to be reminded of the light. Abraham wasn't, he couldn't remember the promise. In the midst of the lie, he couldn't remember the promises that God had given him. But that's exactly where we find the hope because you and I, we might be tempted to think at this part of the journey and the story that Abraham isn't worthy of the promise that God gave him. That through the ups and downs and through the lies and the sins of Abraham and also through his obedience, there are times in his story, in his journey where he was crazy obedient, where God asked him to do things that he followed through on and Abraham was faithful. But it was this road of twists and turns and ups and downs filled with darkness and moments of light. And in the darkness, we find Abraham couldn't see the light. And that's the same is true for our lives. In our darkness, we can't always see the light. And we might expect that God's promises are based on our behavior, right? That God's promises are based on our behavior that Abraham couldn't afford to mess up or he would lose the blessing. That if Abraham messed up, then he would lose the blessing of the promises at the beginning, but we read throughout that even though Abraham, uh, in some ways, like he left God's will at moments in his sin, that God never left him. That God was always with him. And what we learn through that is that God's promises are based on his grace, not our behavior. God's promises are based on his grace on his grace, not our behavior. And that is a sure hard thing for you and I to really grapple with and understand. When we receive that level of grace from God, that he loves us so much that there is no amount of sin there's not a sin too bad. Like I've heard this story over and over again of people saying like, I can't step foot in church, I'll start on fire. It's like, what? <laughs> Have you thought that? There's been times, for real, for me too. It's like, let me tell you a secret. God already knows whether you stepped in the building or not. Like, he knows you, and he loves you, in and through it all. 
And his promises don't change based on our behavior. And so this year, this Christmas, God wants to meet you right in the middle of that. And what happens is when we receive that grace and we receive a relationship with Jesus, what happens is out of that loving relationship, our desire changes to want to follow him more than wanting to follow our own will. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing because our sin does not define our standing with God. We are always welcome to come back into loving relationship with God. And as Abraham, he went on his journey and and when he lied and he took the plan into his own hands, when he didn't trust God, when God stayed with him throughout and one at a time, God began to show Abraham the fulfillment of the promises that he gave him. First with the new land of Canaan, then with a son, and then the promise that impacts all of us today. See, what we know is that through these three promises, God told Abraham, I'm gonna give you new land, the land of Canaan. I'm gonna give you descendants. Abraham would have a son and many descendants. And at the time, Abraham didn't have any kids. He's like, God, what are you talking about? And throughout the journey, God fulfilled that promise. And then he said, your kids, Abraham, and their kids, 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 and their kids are gonna be a blessing. And there's gonna be redemption through your story. That was a promise that God gave to Abraham. And in Matthew 1, 1 and 2, we see the fulfillment of the promise that impacts all of us today. It says in verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In verse 2, it says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, it goes on and on and on and on and on to Jesus, the Messiah. But look at verse two. What's the first name? What's the first name in the line of Jesus? It begins with Abraham. It begins with Abraham, and God gave Abraham a promise, and God fulfilled that promise to Abraham. And there's a story that God has for your life. And no matter how thick the darkness is, no matter how devastating the sin has been, no matter how you feel about it today, no matter how dark it is in the cave of your circumstance today, God wants to bring you light. God wants to bring you hope. He wants to bring you grace. And through Jesus' birth, we experience the fulfillment of God's promises over all those years. Friends, Abraham's sin, it didn't disqualify him from the promises of God. In fact, it simply magnified the grace of Jesus all the more. What it did is it put a magnifying glass on the grace of Jesus because if we never mess up, there's no need for Jesus. We need Jesus. And what I pray for all of us this year, this Christmas, is that our need for Jesus and our craving to find a light that lasts in our life that you and I recognize that the only place to find that is in relationship with Jesus. 
Because through Abraham, the sin did not disqualify him. It just magnified the need for Jesus. And that, friends, is the light in the darkness. And Jesus can be your light to your darkness. But the question is, will you receive it? Will you receive that kind of grace? A grace that isn't earned, a grace that is simply received, that you are loved that much, and that Jesus wants to be the hope and the light. He wants to bring fulfillment in your life in ways that you could never expect, in ways that you cannot manufacture control or define yourself, but only a God. A God who loves bigger than we even understand what love is would send his son to be our greatest gift and our greatest light. So that's my prayer for all of us, that Jesus be the light in our life. Let me pray for all of us. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for these people. Thank you, God, for their story. Thank you for what brought them here today. Thank you for whatever life circumstance, the ups and downs, the things we're ashamed of, the things we want to keep in the dark. God, would you bring to light? Would you help us, God, to feel free to live a life that would be honoring to you, that would bring you glory? God, I pray that you meet every single person exactly where they're at right now. Would you erase the shame? Would you erase the fear? Would you show them, give them a glimpse of your light today, next week, two weeks from now? And Jesus, would you be the hope in our life this Christmas season? We pray all this in your name, amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thanks for listening and God bless.